What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Buffalo Beat. Here, however you found us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or right here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matthew Fairburn, and this week we have a bit of a role reversal of sorts. Typically, I'm in the, you know, passenger seat as Tim Graham drives the bus on the Tim Graham show, but I'm the captain now, Tim. I'm, I'm driving the bus, and, and you're riding shotgun. Tim Graham's joining us. How's it going, I'll allow Tim? it. I'll <laughs> allow it. I'm happy with this. Uh, I have, uh, well, we'll see exactly how much I know about sports. This could be uh, an embarrassing uh, exercise for me, uh, especially with news that has just happened regarding the Toronto Blue Jays in Buffalo. I had written that off as a virtual impossibility. Um, so I have not been doing my Blue Jays homework, uh, which has atrophied since I used to do radio in Toronto, as you may recall a few years ago, and I used to be all up on my Toronto Blue Jays, but I'm pretty sure a lot of those guys aren't on the team anymore. Yeah, they've got a lot of new faces, and I was kind of surprised that the Blue Jays are going to be playing here too. Um, I, You know, when Canada said it wasn't safe, and then Pennsylvania said it wasn't safe, I was surprised to see people still, still on the, the bandwagon, but Politicians, prominent politicians who are very proud of what has happened in the state of New York, uh, the the curve going exactly opposite of what some other states are doing. And Canada says no, like you say. Pennsylvania says, uh-uh. And politicians in New York are tripping over themselves to say, oh, yeah, come here. Come here. Yeah, Let's do it me. here. They pick don't me. want you, but we do. And, I, you know, we'll get into it, too. But it's that inferiority complex that Buffalo has. Uh, that it needs to constantly be reminded that it's major league. Uh, and I think it would be a cool thing if we were able to go see the games, if the players were doing things in the community, which would be something that would be pushed. I'm sure if this were normal circumstances, um, but in a perfect world, we don't even see these guys in, in the streets. We don't see them at the bars. We don't see them. They're going to be in a bubble. They're going to be quarantined. We're not allowed to go to the games. So to me, it's just a weird, one of those weird pats on the head that, that Buffalo so often craves. Uh, and it got it. And now we'll have a couple of months of them. They could, they could be playing in Dubuque and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. It's odd. You would think, I suppose there's some sort of economic benefit to the city, um, you know, probably offset by whatever risk is involved uh, public health wise. I would say those kind of cancel each other out. I don't think either one is going to, to make or break the city. There might be a lot of traffic on the 190. People just park their cars and uh, try to overlook the field and, and see what they can <laughs> see. I know there's a parking ramp over there. Uh, that's how you know I've been in Buffalo for too long, as I'm now calling it a ramp instead of a garage. But uh, I, I would imagine they're going to close that off uh, to try to limit people, you know, getting a peek at the action. But yeah, it's it was a weird thing to stump for when you don't get to watch the games. But you know, Buffalo will be mentioned a lot on the broadcast. There will probably be mention of of chicken wings and blue cheese and 
various things of that nature. And, you know, they were kind of, kind of the, the last pick, uh, you know, it seemed like they explored all options before they got to Buffalo, but still, you know, I guess, uh, Buffalo will take it. People seem rather evident. I'm not going to, not going to rain on the parade. Right. Rather evident, Matt, that the blue Jays did not want to come here. Um, that this is, uh, they last resort because even as of recently as, Thursday, uh, they were on the phone for an hour with the governor's office in Connecticut about playing in Hartford in a newer AAA stadium. Uh, and of course, wanting to go to Pittsburgh instead. And I mentioned it before on, on Twitter is, is that if the Blue Jays staff can't even cross back and forth over the border and there are no fans, uh, then there's no point in making sure you're near the border. There is no actual benefit to being in Buffalo for the Blue Jays, aside from, again, that pat on the head to its AAA affiliate, which seemed to be so important to a lot of fans. And I'm not going to shortchange that. If that's important to the fan to be reminded that their city is is maybe 4A, it's not a AAA town, that Buffalo is a 4A town because it, it does have two big league teams. And there's still a lot of people that wish uh, that uh, – and myself included, I wish that there was a major league team in Buffalo, but that's not going to happen. That ship sailed a long time ago. But at one point, that was a possibility um, that this is a reminder of of Buffalo qualifying in some way, um, even if there's really no no benefit to it. It's not as though uh, Major League Baseball is going to see the red carpet that's rolled out for the Blue Jays and say, you know what, maybe we need to come to Buffalo and, and put a major league team in Buffalo. You're not going to do that without any kind of, you know, you need, you need the turnstiles to be active to make that kind of statement. Um, you going back to the days when the NHL and major league baseball used to have uh, and the NBA used to do it too, especially in exhibition seasons, neutral site games when they were testing out markets to see how interested they were in their product when it comes to expansion. Yeah. I think that uh, anyways, I think it's just kind of a weird, weird deal that Western New York uh, needed this to happen in some way or the state of New York, because the governor's office had a push behind it too, that this needed to happen for Buffalo. You know, I'm rambling now, but one of the, one of the local TV stations uh, had a segment on maybe the blue Jays coming to town. And it was kind of a, um, pushed together. It was like two segments in one. It was the Blue Jays coming here and the uh, coupled with the economic um, uh, setback of no, no bison season. And they were talking to a guy who run, who uh, oversees a parking uh, lot. And the guy was saying, man, we, we need the Blue Jays here. We need the business. Like that, your parking lots are not going to be fuller because there are no fans. Fans aren't coming. I mean, maybe some autograph seekers are going to try to come down there and, and, and lurk around in hopes of catching a guy who decides he wants to walk back to the hotel instead of taking the shuttle. Um, the economic turn, of course, and, and yet another tangent is probably going to go to the Pagulas and Jeremy Jacobs because that's what the I was two, going to say. It's... Two of the newer hotels downtown, you're going to see the Marriott uh, downtown and uh, and uh, the Westin, uh, which is attached to the Delaware North offices, uh, those are probably going to be the two most used hotels. Maybe that courtyard, too, because it's so close. But yeah, it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad thing that this is happening, to be clear. It's not a bad thing. I'm not ridiculing that. I just think it's odd that so many people needed this to happen. Yeah, it's... 
the only way it's a bad thing is if, you know, the public health gets compromised. If there's guys that aren't, you know, paying attention to, you know, where they're going and, and, you know, not quarantining, but you're still talking about not a ton of people. And I suppose there's a chance in a town like this that, that loves sports that you could capture the imagination of some younger baseball fans or, you know, fans who don't have a team that, that will say, you know, they'll jump on the Blue Jays because, you know, that's the big league club and they came here and played some games here. But, you know, that'll be, you know, something that, uh, you know, the, again, it will be hard to measure and it's not going to have any real noticeable impact on, like you said, Buffalo getting a big league team or anything like that. There's no way to see how, how they turn out. You know, they're not going to be at games. And like you mentioned, the, the economic benefit of this is is probably going to be felt by the Pagulas mostly. Um, and perhaps they need it after uh, the the stadium naming rights deal fell through. I guess every, every little bit counts um, for them these days. And you know, you've got uh, a football team that's going to play in a stadium with no name uh, right now, which is not quite as bad as the football team in Washington playing without a team name. But um, you've been doing some work on the on the stadium name story, um, you know, and, and everything that happened with New Era. What can you what can you share? What insight can you provide about about what kind of went sideways there? Well, um, it's it's gone sideways for a long time, or it's been sideways. And from people I've spoken to, uh, the that new era uh, had kind of had buyer's remorse since shortly after agreeing to the deal. And uh, it was something that was done with a big presentation. Russ Brandon was uh, still in charge of the Bills and the Sabres at the time, and and brought Chris Cook into the stadium, much like you would a five-star recruit to Kentucky or Duke. And have their, uh, you know, have the arena announcer saying, and now starting it forward for your Kentucky Wildcats from Paducah High, you know, Jimmy Smith. And then they have the cheerleaders come out and everybody's cheering and it's up on the video scoreboard. And then you go back into the locker room. You've already seen uh, your, your jersey hanging there and the whole thing. Well, they did something similar for Chris Cook. Uh, and uh, this being, well, what if this was called New Era Field? And he left that meeting very emotional, thinking about uh, his father and his grandfather who started the company and left it in Western New York and, and decided it was something he wanted to do. Um, but as, as the payments uh, were required to be made, they were pretty steep. And maybe the, the, uh, what you were getting in return if you were New Era wasn't cutting it because at the time New Era was growing so fast. It had gone from a niche uh, baseball hat manufacturer and doing very well at that to wanting to conquer all sports, which would include its deals with NFL to have the official sideline hat, uh, the NBA. Uh, it did not have an NHL deal, I don't think. Um, I'm I'm a little fuzzy on on my specifics on that. Um, I wish I was a little bit better if I, I remembered that one. But uh, all the different colleges that they had deals with, uh, and they grew too fast. Uh, they opened up. Uh, they had a, a, a boutique store in um, L.A. at the um, L.A. Live 
uh, complex, which is where the Staples Center is and a bunch of uh, restaurants and bars in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And they didn't need that, but they had one there. And uh, it, they just, they were, they had too much going on. And they're really starting to, uh, not start, it's starting to show, I guess it should say, um, regarding layoffs. And this is not coronavirus related. This is uh, a problem that New Era was having even before the pandemic uh, that they, uh, they were having trouble paying their bills, according to people that I spoke with, and not just at New Era Field or, or at, with the Buffalo Bills, but with all kinds of people uh, that they do business with, uh, they owe money to. So uh, the company's shrinking, it's uh, staggering a little bit, and, um, and so that's why the bills let them out of the deal is because they knew they couldn't pay. And uh, the bills are at a situation where clearly if, if New Era could have paid, it's, it's uh, I should take a step back. They missed payments last year, including its 2019 uh, naming rights, uh, the main you know, payments, because I guess they owe the bills a bunch of different money for different things, different sponsors. They just not just the name on the stadium. There's other things that they're in, in partnership with, but um, uh, they missed their payment for the naming rights in 2019. There was no way they were going to be able to make it this year because if you're two months out from games being played, the bills are not going to let you out uh, because it's too late for them to scramble and get that money and to recoup it for 2020. So you know it's bad for New Era that they're not going to be able to play, uh, pay in any way uh, that the bills made the agreement to, uh, to terminate and that's the negotiations they're going through now. Yeah, they were already, it, it was interesting timing because Mark Polencars was already saying he wasn't going to call it New Era Field anymore uh, because he didn't like how they had handled getting a, a PPP loan and then, you know, laying off a bunch of people right when that aid ended. But it sounds like the company wasn't particularly healthy even before that. So, um, they, they were kind of scrambling a little bit. And now, like you said, this is a timing wise, you're not going to have a, a very good chance of turning around and slapping a name on the stadium. I, I mean, what is the process like to get another name up there, get another company up there? And is this as bad a time as it would seem to be just given the economic climate in the country? It is. And I, I spoke with some uh, experts, people who negotiate these deals. And, and one of them, in fact, might is trying to help the Pagulas negotiate their next deal. I don't know if he's going to be chosen because surprisingly, there are a lot of people who do this. Uh, you'd think, all right, how big of a specialty is negotiating stadium and arena naming rights? You think how many people are that exist in the world? Are there you know, four, six? There's dozens. And it's amazing uh, because there are so many arenas and so many naming deals. And we're talking about college bowl games and you know, all these different corporate sponsorships that um, that every think of all the division one colleges out there that have corporate sponsorships and then different events. Uh, and there are people out there who just structure these deals and negotiate them uh, for both sides. So you have two sets. You have somebody representing the team. You have somebody representing the corporation. Uh, so there are actually a lot of people who do this. But anyway, in speaking to them, they don't really see the pandemic or lack of fans or the short window to be a problem for the Pagulas long term. Uh, they don't believe that um, 
it's going to be hard for the Pagulas to get a sponsor for this year, but it's not going to steer companies away from wanting to um, go into partnership with the bills um, that negotiations probably uh, would, would plow right through a pandemic uh, because uh, this is considered an outlier. And these are such coveted sponsorships that uh, that everybody thinks or assumes and hopes that by 2021, everything will be normal. So you can get maybe a discount for this season if the Pagulas uh, want to make sure that they have a sponsorship in place, get some kind of bridge deal to get you to 2021 with all kinds of caveats and asterisks that if no games are played, you only owe a partial payment or no payment or whatever. Or they could go nameless for a year while they're still trying to hammer this out. And, but by but that all kinds of corporations are going to want to have a name on the stadium for 2021, 2022, because these are seven, eight, 10 year deals that we're looking at. You don't want to constantly be renegotiating these complicated deals, number one. But number two, there's also the thing where you as a team, you want your stadium to be known as something for a while. You don't want it to be something different every year. So negotiating one-year deals on this is huge energy and a lot of work. And it's also confusing to your fan base and it's um, diminishing returns for the sponsor because after a while, people will stop calling it whatever it's supposed to be for those 10 years. Um, for instance, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, nobody calls it that. It's just the Superdome. Uh, there are certain buildings that are like that, but the Bills happen to have a stadium that hasn't really, you know, people still insist on calling it Rich Stadium or the Ralph, um, but um, the Bills haven't gone through a bunch of different names. It's not some iconic building that is known as, say, the Big House or the Astrodome. So um, so anyway, that's my long-winded way of, of uh, breaking down that there are companies out there that are, that are going to be interested and probably already have expressed their interest in some way to put their name on the stadium. Um, and um, according to the experts, they, the expectation is like uh, financial industry, uh, insurance industry, uh, telecommunications. So there are still some businesses that are doing well through the pandemic uh, that you may uh, you may see their name on the on the Bill Stadium coming up. Yeah, it had a nice little cozy feel there with the local company, um, you know, being on the the hometown stadium. And I know people liked that, but like you said, there were a lot of people that you need to be in it for the long haul if you're a company like New Era or whoever is going to put their their name up there because. I think it probably took a year and a half, two years before people stopped calling it the Ralph uh, and stopped calling, you know, referring to it that way. I, like you said, there's still people that call it Rich Stadium, but I think you need to have a name on there for a while before, you know, people get used to it. And, right. and what, you know, one quick point before I forget it, because it floated through my head and right back out while I was talking. A very unique, like you say, a cozy relationship there with the New Era and the Bills. I, I can't think of another one that's like this. Maybe it's happened, but I think at least up until recently, um, unique in that it was a NFL licensee had the name on the stadium. And what I mean by that is you don't see Nike Cowboys Stadium or Reebok or take any other, somebody who has a deal with the NFL, kind of like a a, a lower level sponsor of the NFL, um, you know, like new era cap, 
uh, you don't, uh, I mean, who else, what are, what are some other ones? Uh, Wilson football, you know, you don't see Wilson football field anywhere out there. It's people, companies get in business with the NFL and then that's what it is. Uh, Coca-Cola, you know, whatever. Uh, it's the official blank of the NFL, NBA, NHL. And then to also put the name on the stadium, you usually don't see it. It's an outside corporation that uh, that gets involved, like AT&T and um, M&T Bank, for instance. Yeah, perhaps an overreach by New Era. Like you said, they, they grew so fast and they got a little big for their britches there for a while. And I don't know that they, they necessarily needed their name on the stadium, uh, considering it was all over the place anyways uh, in in NFL games, but clearly it didn't work out. Um, and steerly, but, and and still hurting for business as they grew too fast. That uh, it wasn't it wasn't helping their bottom line. That's for sure. It was just a further drain of their resources. Yeah, I always wonder about the return on investment on naming a stadium or advertising or things like that. But it seems to clearly, it's like you said, a coveted thing that you know big companies you know want, and even. Uh, the interesting part I found about the story you wrote is companies being willing to throw their name on multiple stadiums. Like the fact that both the Falcons and Saints play in Mercedes-Benz named stadiums is kind of odd to me. Yeah, like in the I, same division, no less. Right. Like I I would say that the Falcons play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Saints play at the Superdome. So I don't know why there needs to be the name, but I guess it's the, the same reason, you know, it's up on the broadcast. Your, your, the company name is just out there constantly, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but that's the other thing the bills maybe have working in their favor is that they do have some primetime games this year. And these are, like you said, more long-term deals. So a company's probably not looking at, Oh, look at these, these juicy primetime matchups they have better, better get in on that. But are you going to host a playoff game? Right. Are Um, you going to be good? Right. And I I think that's, um, you know, an added boost that, that some of these, you know, teams get that the bills haven't really gotten lately, but maybe they do. Maybe there's, there's reason to, to get involved. If, if you're another company, I'm not sure. But one thing I found interesting in my research, uh, was, uh, how relatively little you would expect the Superdome, a sponsor to be, you know, buku dollars, especially this is a Super Bowl site. They hold national championship football games. They hold final fours in the Superdome. But Mercedes Benz was paying just a little bit more than what New Era was paying to be on the Bills stadium where there are no bowl games there. You know, you're not going to be hosting extra events. You just get the Bills games and that's it pretty much maybe the occasional concert, but nobody's covering these concerts uh, on national television like they are football games. And um, the reason being, it comes back to what we were talking about uh, before, is because nobody's ever going to call it the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And so the Superdome, or um, Mercedes-Benz was paying about $5 million a year to have its name on that building um, because everybody's going to call it the Superdome anyway. So that's why the Bills were making about the same amount of money off of their stadium deal than a marquee venue, um, because the stadium that 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 venue is too marquee. So the Bills are actually in a good spot if they're able to draw as much money uh, out of somebody like New Era than if they open it up and go after 
you could have a net two M&T Bank stadiums, as we've we were just discussing. So if M&T wants to put its name on on the Bills Stadium, then the NFL would allow that uh, to have two stadiums uh, or whomever, somebody from out like. There was really no M&T Bank in Baltimore when M&T Bank went out there. It's a naming thing, so they don't care. There was more value to M&T being on a, on a stadium where it didn't even have banks um, than in its own hometown because the Ravens were a team that occasionally goes to the Super Bowl and hosts home games. It was a new stadium, so people were talking about it. There are superstars that were playing there at the time, um, and so the value was better for M&T. Um, so who knows, maybe there's a startup company out in California that, ha- that has really no footprint in Western New York that says, well, we'll, we'll do it. It's an NFL stadium and, um, and people are going to call it whatever our name is. So yeah, there's a lot of little nuance that I hadn't really considered regarding naming rights. Um, throughout my time in working in Buffalo and covering sports in Buffalo, uh, it had always been whatever HSBC arena was, whatever HSBC bank became, uh, was just took over those rights, took over those rights. And then the bills were Ralph Wilson stadium for my tenure, uh, there at the Buffalo news. And uh, when I was down in Miami, I didn't care what it was named because it was something different every year. So I didn't pay any attention to it. Sun life stadium, uh, land shark stadium. It was just Dolphins stadium for a while. Joe Robbie. And it was just like, hey, who cares anymore? It's hard but, rock yeah. now, right? Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think hard, but, hard rock stadium. Right. That it is what it is. But I remember when uh, I think each of the last two years with the athletic, we're down there in that press box. I got to look up at the scoreboard to see what, we, what is it? You know, I, what do I, I'm starting to write my story and I say, you know, in, I'm like, well, what are we on here? Which, which iteration are we on here? And so when you get into that situation, you know, people stop calling it whatever you know, people you're kind of wasting your money as the corporate sponsor because people aren't going to call it that they don't even know they they know it is something else joe robbie they're probably calling it mostly down there yeah and you know all that that stuff you're talking about just makes me think how how great of a bang for their buck is salen's hot dogs getting this year with the the blue jays playing at yeah you know what you're right that is another benefactor i'm talking we were talking earlier that it's just the hotels you're right salins uh and but the thing too is that where are salins sold right Uh, i never knew what salin right i'm sure that there's some places you can get it that you know uh, but i'm i guess we'll have to check that out but yeah that's 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 a great point salin people are going to be wondering what the hell is salins if you're if you're up in if you know you're watching this game in uh in in Arlington, Texas, where you're a Rangers fan and you're like, you're getting no, (laughs) are people going to go online and order some hot dogs to be, you know, uh, next day aired uh, to to Texas? Probably not. Well, what they have to uh, hope is that Joey Chestnut is a big baseball fan. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta get me some of these Salins. And before you know it, he's demanding that Salins be used (laughs) in the, the hot dog eating contest. And, it could uh, this could really change the hot dog industry forever. Which leads me to a question. Um, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure that there's an official hot dog because that would be a big money maker for the uh, Nathan's. I don't know if Nathan's has its own brand, or if Nathan's being a shop that they use a certain brand of hot dog. But Salins with those casings, which makes a Salin hot dog at Salin. You know, they, Salins is such a high quality product. I'd be interested to know what the reduction in the number of, of hot dogs Joey Chestnut could pound would be from his standard hot dog 
to assailants because I'm guessing it would take longer because it's it's a heavier dog. It would be like, you know, what they, you know, some of the the golf purists always talk about, you know, reversing the clock on the golf ball technology so it doesn't go as far. That would be like, you know, Kobayashi coming coming in and saying, <laughs> you guys need to start eating salins and slowing these numbers down because they're breaking too many records. Or we'll get into some analytics. Yeah. So there's, uh, you know, or like with horse tracks, you know, when you read the daily racing form, you know, this horse uh, only performs well on a, you know, on a pure track, not on a, you know, he's not a mutter. Uh, or, uh, you know, this, this track's a little too short for him. Uh, he, he generally needs a little more time to open up. Uh, and so, yeah, I wonder if you get different, uh, you know, yeah, Kobayashi ate, you know, 400 hot dogs his last time out, but he was eating ballpark and chestnut was uh, at 350, but at a, but with a saline. Uh, so that equates to, you know, and then you have handicapping and then Vegas gets involved. I, I like where this is going. You could have some some guy in Lackawanna who just can pound Salem hot dogs who could emerge as a as a superstar. You know, when the casing is too thick for them, it's just right for us, <laughs> or something like that. I like that. No, I, I you know that happens. It's going to happen, and uh, we're going to be writing about it for the Athletic. I'm sure it'll be one of those things that you know. I feel like the best branding as a you know when you're gonna throw your name on something or do a commercial is to have people say what the hell is that and look it up and there's gonna be a lot of people in two countries now who know what Salem hot dogs are maybe this is gonna get people coming across the border for their hot dogs if they don't already (laughs) I'm guessing I would think that Salem's are sold across the border already right you should hope. If you're but, a Western New York, I'm going to have to do some research, apparently. I think we've we've got ourselves a story. And while we're on the topic of baseball, baseball's back, Tim. Did you watch baseball last night? I did. I uh, watched uh, the Dodgers uh, and uh, the Giants last night. I watched a little bit of uh, Yankees Nationals. Did um, you have some action on it? No, no action. Um, well, you could have had action. Did you know that? Oh, oh yes. Yes, we may I not, do. You know, we may not be able to join the fellas at the park, but there is plenty of action to be had from the comfort of your own home. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you, Tim Graham, on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. You just pick 10 players stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. I would agree with that. I think, you know, that seems to, that's pretty good for bragging rights. Is You know, I know more about baseball than you, and I have hundreds of thousands of dollars to prove it. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. I've got a lot of it. Uh, our good friend Chris Baker has a lot of it. Um, and it's not that difficult. You just go, you, you pick six golfers, try to get six of them through the cut is is normally the uh, the way to go. Don't pick guys like Dustin Johnson who, you know, come up with tight backs in the first round and withdraw from the tournament because of lack of interest. But, you know, you can, you can win a little bit of cash. And as we were discussing, uh, 
earlier, if you're in Buffalo and you drive about an hour west, you can get some action on the sports book too in Pennsylvania. So really, um, it, this is the time with sports coming back to download the DraftKings app, use the promo code RUN, R-U-N, to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN, R-U-N, to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as you were hinting at, Tim, sports being back is also an exciting time to subscribe to The Athletic. We've got reporters, I would say all over the country, but it's really all over the world at this point. Premier League soccer has been back for the better part of a month, I believe, and we've got a great team over there covering that. We've got baseball reporters everywhere. Uh, if you're a new Blue Jays fan, we've got uh, you know plenty of Blue Jays coverage. And you can save 40% off right now. If, you want, if you're thinking, man, that story Tim was talking about, about Salem's hot dogs, sounds great. Well, this is the time to get in and get 40% off an annual subscription by using this show's custom URL. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. You can go to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat and receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams or stories about Salem's hot dogs. Also, we've got reporters inside the bubble, Tim. Did you know this? We've got multiple reporters inside multiple bubbles. And if the NFL had a bubble, maybe we would be inside of it. But frankly, they don't seem interested in much of a bubble. But you can still go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat and get 40% off an annual subscription, get all your Buffalo sports coverage, and much, much more. We hope to see you there. I, I for one, hope to see you there. Um, we, you may be listening right now. Uh, dear audience, to a couple of Blue Jays reporters. We don't know. We might be called. We, we might be called out of the bullpen the to, uh, to help you can out. Do, the more you can do, Tim, is is always good. And we've even got, we have a great golf writer, speaking of golf. Uh, you know, Brendan Quinn is doing a great job on golf. A lot of people are getting really creative uh, during this, this downtime. We're lucky that that the company allows us to kind of get a little bit weird and get a little bit, you know, we're sports reporters only. We didn't get called uh, into action to, to do any other sort of, you know, harder hitting type of stuff. Although occasionally those things intersect, but we were able to have some fun and talk to people like Buddy Nix. And Buddy Nix has had some things to say, hasn't he, Tim? Yeah, I, as he mentioned, uh, I use the quote, I'm paraphrasing, when you've been away from it uh, for a few years, you can tell the truth. And uh, he laughs when he says it, but he's he means it. And uh, he's been telling some stories uh, regarding uh, Terrell Owens, uh, which uh, were found in your story, which uh, looked back on Terrell Owens one season uh, with the Buffalo Bills. 
and um, he's uh, talked about Brandon Spoon. And uh, for that story that I wrote, uh, it was a one-hit wonders uh, series that we did. And, and Brandon Spoon, unfortunately, with his injuries, uh, had played one really good season with the Bills as a rookie and then never played in the NFL again. Um, and uh, he spilled a little bit regarding – uh, Russell Wilson and what happened in 2012 when the Bills really thought that uh, they had uh, they had their guy with Russell Wilson who was projected to be a fourth round pick. The Bills owned an early fourth round pick. They thought they'd get him there, and lo and behold, uh, he goes to Seattle to add insult to injury. Just a few picks after the Bills traded up to get receiver T.J. Graham. And uh, I've gotten a lot of pushback regarding how stupid Buddy is and how dumb the Bills are for if you've identified your guy, you go and get him. But a lot more nuance uh, to that situation than just uh, you identify your guy, you go get him. Obviously, in retrospect, Russell Wilson is the number one overall pick in that draft. Every team, including the Seattle Seahawks, didn't even uh, – didn't even even scout him properly based on his production because the Seahawks would be trading uh, trading up to get him first overall rather than waiting until midway through the third uh, when they already had a pretty deep as a lot of people thought quarterback uh, depth chart um, when they drafted him people looked at it and said this is a dumb pick the guy's 510 you already have three quarterbacks on your roster what do you need this guy for um, so anyways, it was interesting to hear Buddy Nick's uh, recount uh, how the Bills really thought that they could get a steal with uh, with Russell Wilson, uh, David Lee, the quarterback's coach at the time, telling me the same. And uh, yeah, that was a story that ran earlier this week and got, got people a little bent out of shape. Yeah, what always amazes me about stories like that is the ripple effect, right? You know, Buddy Nick's sitting there, I mean, we we really have no reason to to not believe that he really liked Russell Wilson and that David Lee really liked Russell Wilson. Obviously, they didn't like him enough. Uh, nobody did, like you said. Nobody scouted him properly to think that um, they should go after him in the first two rounds. But what then happens, you know, it, and it kind of just like that's one of those stories that uh, as I was reading it, I'm just thinking, man, like Bills fans are just going to like hate this more and more and more because – not only do you know they they love Russell Wilson, but don't get him. Well, that leads you down the path of being like, well, before I get out of here, I really ought to get a quarterback. So in 2013, they go <laughs> yeah. and get EJ Manuel, which everybody knows how that worked out. But not just that EJ Manuel didn't work out, but that that was one of the worst quarterback drafts of all time, and you felt like that was the time to get your guy. And then, and Buddy Nick's confessing even there that he's not necessarily defending EJ Manuel uh, anymore either. He said he could have been better with uh, in different circumstances, but said we probably should have traded back again because nobody he is. And by saying that, he was he, he was intimating that nobody else was going to take EJ Manuel. We could have traded back some more and still got him a little later in the maybe even the third round. Uh, he said, and uh, and then he's a better quarterback because he doesn't have the pressure of being a first-round pick. He might still be in the league as a backup. Could but, be, yeah. But then you – so you draft E.J. Manuel. Well, that means you're probably not going to take a quarterback in 2014, which turned out to be a pretty good quarterback draft. Not, you know, gangbusters or anything, but, you know, it was thought to be 
a better class than it ended up being, but still some pretty good players. And he ended up passing there. And then it would have been 2016 would have been when they probably to me, what I would think is the more painful because everybody missed on Russell Wilson, but the bills then miss on Dak Prescott when they were picking a quarterback right around that time. Anyways. Yeah. David Lee mentioned that to me is that, uh, he had come back as the Bills quarterbacks coach. He got fired with Chan Gailey's staff, uh, but was with Rex Ryan. So he comes back uh, and he's now scouting quarterbacks again. Doug Whaley's the general manager. Buddy Nix has uh, since gone. And David Lee said that he really wanted Dak Prescott. And uh, But Doug Whaley was sold on Cardell Jones. And I think that, that I can understand that. Uh, to be true because we've seen how big of a, of an advocate Doug Whaley has been for Cardell Jones, uh, even as recently as last year in the XFL. Uh, but you know, Doug Whaley was always kind of pumping Cardell Jones's tires while he was with the bills, uh, trying to get him on the field as we would hear. And, you know, uh, Doug Marone wasn't uh, all that keen on it. Um, I don't think Rex was either. Um, I'm trying yeah, to remember. Cardell was, only Rex. Only Rex. Okay, so he but didn't leak Anthony over. Anthony Lynn into... loved him too, and still does. You know, up until last year, before Cardell Jones was in the XFL, right? It was Anthony only Lynn Rex. is a huge, huge champion of Cardell Jones. Yes, but not. But meanwhile, Cardell Jones remains unsigned. Uh, right. <laughs> so there, he's got his fans, but uh, nobody wants to give him a chance to throw the ball for him. Um, but yeah, Doug Whaley was sold on uh, on Cardell Jones, according to David Lee. Now. Cardell Jones was uh, when the Bills drafted Cardell Jones. Dak Prescott had just been drafted two picks earlier, so he wasn't available technically. But the Bills did have other picks and some ammunition that if they did have their eye on a quarterback, which clearly they did, fourth round is is not a zero pick. You know, fourth fourth round is still a pick where you can get a guy who plays for you um, rather than taking a flyer on a quarterback. Um, and when I say a guy who plays for you, I'm talking about anything, you know, a lineman, a linebacker. I mean, their asset fourth round is still an asset pick. So it's uh, to take a quarterback there. Um, yeah, it would clearly that clearly that uh, Doug Whaley liked liked Cardell Jones uh, based on really not a big body of work at Ohio State. And uh, it it hasn't worked out for uh, and it <laughs> didn't work out for either of them. David Lee included. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's weird to look back on all these things, and it seems so easy in hindsight. Everything is easy in hindsight. How many, you know, for a while there, I think there was a line of thinking like, man, once once Peyton and Brady and Philip Rivers and, and these guys are gone, there's just going to be this vacuum. You know, where's the quarterback talent going to come from? What's going to happen to this league? But over the last five to 10 years, there's been a lot of opportunities to draft quarterbacks. And it seems like at some point you'd stumble into it. And the bills were really taking, you know, in hindsight, and really some of it was in the moment, people realizing that they were taking basically the worst path you could take. Sometimes it was because they were just out of range. Sometimes it was because, oh, we just picked this guy a year earlier or identifying a guy but not being aggressive enough about getting him so 
really just a a big mess and and it, but it's it's nice that some of these guys are willing to willing to share a little bit more now you know as they get beyond it a little bit one of my favorite parts about writing that story uh was talking to david lee in which it touched uh, the tentacles went to a bunch of different teams so uh what happened he was the quarterback's coach in cleveland under hugh jackson when uh they went with miles garrett first overall which Again, if you had to redraft, you'd probably go with a quarterback there, uh, Pat Mahomes, most likely. But Miles yeah, Garrett I was guess. not a huh. I guess. Yeah, you but Miles Garrett was thing. not a bust of a number one overall pick. I mean, he's a good player. They, the Browns just resigned him, and what the plan was, according to David Lee, which sounds pretty good in retrospect, was we'll get the best defensive player in the draft, number one overall, and we like two of these quarterbacks. The Browns also had the twelfth overall pick. We'll get Miles Garrett here, and then we'll get a guy we really like at 12. And so they don't get Patrick Mahomes. You know, Trubisky goes early, which had to thrill Hugh Jackson and David Lee. But according to David Lee, was not was upsetting to Sashi Brown, the, the executive at the time for the Browns, because he really liked Trubisky. So Trubisky's gone. That really helps them in retrospect. So Pat Mahomes goes 10th overall, where the Bills would have picked. But at 12, Deshaun Watson is there. But the Browns trade that pick to Houston, so Houston can take Deshaun Watson. The Browns were in the this you know uh, you know this mode where accumulating draft picks was was really their preference over anything else, and so they they trade back to get more draft assets, allow Houston to take Deshaun Watson. The Browns end up with Brock Osweiler. So it's funny to listen to David Lee talk about, you know, we still you identify the guy. So you go back to, as you mentioned, back to Russell Wilson. It's a little fuzzier because you don't know where he's going to go. All the draft experts missed on Russell Wilson. Um, and so, okay, fine. But, you, but the, to miss out on that, I guess that there's more of a variable uh, if you've identified Russell Wilson as to whether or not just one team needs to get him before you do. But, when it comes to identifying Mahomes and Watson as one of your guys and you still don't get them, I mean, that's the, that's the heartbreak for a coach or a general manager, whomever, in so many situations where you think, we got this guy, we got him, we got him, we got him, we don't got him. And uh, so it's hard enough to identify the guy and project him to be a winner three years down the road. Um, but when you get it right and still don't get the player, I mean, there's so many different ways to have your heart broken when it comes to quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah, it can always be worse. You know, the, I wrote earlier this offseason about, you know, kind of what went into the Bills passing on Patrick Mahomes, as did nine other teams, uh, pretty much all of which you could argue should have taken him in that draft. It's not quite a Russell Wilson scenario, right? Because he was a top 10 pick, a first round pick. So not everybody passed him, you know, passed him over twice, but not a guy that was a consensus number one. But to overthink it to the level that the Browns did with two top 12 picks, two quarterbacks that you like, and coming away with Brock Osweiler is, uh, that's pretty depressing. That's uh, hopefully not too many Browns fans stumbled upon that that nugget uh, because (laughs) they've had enough of that I'm sure and Bill's fans too I mean there were a lot of tweets uh underneath in response to me I tweet out the story and I think the one uh was I will I prefer to live in ignorance and I will not be clicking on this story 
Um, yeah, it's what I've always wondered. We've got we've dug deep into the drought over the last few months, and I think some of it is uh, has struck a nice chord, um, and some of it has been like that, you know, where people are just like, "Oh man, I forgot this happened." It's uh, easier to revisit now, I think, because brighter days not only are ahead, but fans are experiencing them. And regardless of how sold you are that the Bills have figured it out, they have at least gone to the playoffs two of the last three years and given given fans some pleasure. There are some stars on the team to root for. There are jerseys to buy that you're not ashamed to wear. Uh, there are players on the roster who you will be taking in your fantasy draft, not because you're a Bills fan, but because they can actually help you win your fantasy league. Um, and so, yeah, it's just – it's uh, to, to be able to look back on the drought now, I think, is a lot more palatable uh, to, to fans than if we were still in it. Especially the early part of the drought. People kind of like that in a weird way. And people are. I even I forget about it. You know, some right. of those well, players like, who were on those teams, it was like, oh my God, that's right. I forgot that name. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, T.O., you know, or I, I remember the year T.O. was here. Yeah, like, you know, Brandon Spoon, you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy had a great year. And, and all that stuff, you know, how bad they were. And the, the early years of the drought, I think, were also a little less uh, depressing. It's when you get into – it's also the fact of you bring up Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson. These are guys that are playing now, um, especially the Patrick Mahomes conversation touches the present-day team. So to bring it up – is to be uh, to look at you know the the current regime with a critical eye, which is you know something um, you know some people don't want to do because, like you said, they finally have something decent going. So all of it, you know, that's what makes this this season kind of interesting. If it happens at all, um, we haven't touched too much on um, the madness surrounding what the NFL is trying to do at the moment, but it's such a you know, fulcrum year for Josh Allen, that, that year that kind of makes or breaks him in some ways or, or gives you an idea of who he is. And it's going to be a really bizarre year overall. So do we get an accurate read on what they have at quarterback if they're playing a season that is going to be very unconventional? I'm not so sure. Yeah. I think that it's going to be pretty easy to write it off. Um, one way or the other. If you're the if you're a if you're anti Josh Allen, and there are a lot of people out there, and I'm talking mostly around the country, not so much in Western New York, uh, uh, but or if you're a huge Josh Allen fan, regardless of what he does, you're going to be able. If it's the opposite of your stance, you're just going to say, "Yeah, let's see it with a real season. Let's see it when uh, there's real pressure on the road and fans are breathing down your neck and you got to go 80 yards, uh, with four minutes to play, um, as opposed to an empty stadium, or let's see how he does it in a 16 game regular season instead of whatever we end up with. Let's say, I mean, maybe we do get 16 games, but I think that there's just as much chance we end up with 10 or 12, uh, based on what's going on. Maybe there's a, we don't know what's going to happen with, the talk of second wave. Uh, some people say we're still enough. We still haven't even broken the first wave yet. So that, which is even more disconcerting. Um, anyway, um, there's going to be all sorts of, or, or he didn't have the proper off season. He didn't have the right. proper four preseason games. He didn't have, or three preseason games. Didn't have time to develop chemistry. Yeah, with chemistry exactly. There's going to be all kinds of excuses or vice versa. You're going to have a, 
a Jets fan or a, a Dolphins fan say, yeah, but they had the continuity going. So that wasn't fair for us because we didn't get our three preseason games or the Patriots are going to say, well, we didn't have Brady and we needed that extra time. You know, so everybody's going to have an excuse regardless of what happens um, to to um, to back your side, whatever it is, your opinion. This season is the ultimate malleable excuse that you can you can mold with your hands like clay and turn it into whatever reasoning you need it to be. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It feels like, or maybe not no interesting. What, maybe it'll be like, we just wave our hands and say, oh, geez. I mean, yeah, it might be frustrating in a way as somebody, you know, as people who are here to analyze the team and make sense of things, there might not, especially those in charge, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, um, who have the, you know, it's in their self-interest for Josh Allen to be good uh, and, you know, to give him as much time as possible. I would say it's almost a lock that Josh Allen gets his fifth-year option if it wasn't already because they're going to have every reason to justify giving him more time. Not only was he, you know, considered a raw prospect coming out of college um, who needed time to develop, but now he has this offseason thrown at him heading into his third year, uh, there's going to be plenty of reasons, barring a you know total collapse, and even then, uh, you might be able to to come up with some excuses. So, uh, who knows? And it's going to be that way, I think, with a lot of. Mar- I'm not calling Josh Allen a marginal quarterback. I'm I'm talking about, I guess, the decision on if a team is is curious as to what it's going to do at quarterback. Uh, do we gamble in the draft, or do we just, or not even gamble? Are we going to take the best available quarterback? Let's say we draft in the top ten or the top five. Your your body of work for quarterbacks is going to have a huge asterisk on it uh, because college games might not be played, or they could be played under restricted circumstances where there aren't those aren't as many games because you don't have the non conference schedule. Um, you know, like with the Big Ten and the Mid American Conference games have been canceled. Um, so you don't have as many games, you don't, uh, you know, whatever it's going to be for college this year, maybe you have some schools that say we're not playing this year, some conferences, um, because it's not just up to the school or the, I mean, there are all kinds of interlocking parts with college sports and all it takes is one domino to affect, you know, a lot of programs. So, um, yeah, who's who's to say what the quarterback class is going to look like and we were just spending the first half hour of this podcast talking about how difficult it is to project quarterbacks now take away half their games or all their games um to know what you're what you have and uh so teams that have a quarterback that is you know they're not quite sure of they might be forced to resign him because the the uh uh, it's just too the the, the volatility of, of projecting a, a a rookie quarterback in in twenty twenty one is is going to be it's it's going to be heavy. Yeah, it makes for a, a lot of interesting conversations. Uh, Sam Darnold comes to mind. We were talking about him last week uh, when Connor Hughes was on the show. They're in a similar spot as with Josh Allen, but you would think a team like that is just going to lean towards you know keeping a guy like Darnold over unless you got a clear shot at the known commodity, the, the Trevor Lawrence uh, outside of that, you know, who are you, who are you betting on? And, you know, I think, or who is the of, guy, you know, think every year there's somebody in the quarterback class that even a, a really into it NFL fan, unless you really follow college football, 
but there are a lot of guys that you don't know of until their till their junior or senior year. Um, and they're not going to get that chance to explode on the scene. Yeah, there's a kid from North Dakota State this year that Bruce Feldman's been writing about. You know, is that guy going to play? And if so, are you just kind of projecting, um, you know, where where you would take him? It, it all of a sudden makes it a lot more complicated. And, you know, it's going to make for a really bizarre draft. It's, it's really across all sports, which is what, you know, is making this uh, a really strange time uh, to cover sports. But an even more fun time to write about them and to read about them because everything is different. This is not just the same old going through the motions and, you know, doing the same routine of driving up to St. John Fisher and getting ready for our camp notebooks. We're going to have to, we're going to have to get creative uh, as we step inside that NFL bubble. Whoopee. Are you ready for it? Uh yeah, I, I guess so. I think I can take it as it comes. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's uh, a, a bubble. I mean, it, it's not a bubble. No, it's not a bubble. I it's going to be. Air quotes. I know. I'm. I, I think it's. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to be going to the road games. Well, I don't. I would say I probably won't be going to the road games. They're not doing in-person interviews um, with players or coaches, so we might be having watch parties at uh at swapping houses at our own bubbles yes I'm all i'd say that. you're in you're in my bubble and likewise vice versa yeah there's if there's no reason to go to the game if if i can't go in the locker room and go talk to who uh, you know a certain player that nobody else is talking to and we're all on zoom then what difference does it make yeah we might as well load up on salem hot dogs and fire up our DraftKings app and our athletic apps I'm getting all the plugs in, put on our new era caps and, you know, watch, watch the ball game, cover it that way. I'm bringing it all full circle here. <laughs> You're doing a great job of wrapping this up. Well, I appreciate you taking some time. It'd been a while since we talked sports. The last time we were on a broadcast together was the day sports shut down. So, um, it was good to, to bat around some, some hot takes and, and such and appreciate you carving out some time and and filling in for joe b thanks everybody for listening reminder that you can get 40 percent off your athletic subscription by going to theathletic.com slash the buffalo beat and we encourage you to head over to whatever channel you listen to your podcasts on and rate and subscribe to the show we'll have you covered as the bills start whatever version uh, of training camp they attempt to to have in the coming weeks we'll we'll be there uh, with with podcasts articles everything you need so go to theathletic.com slash the buffalo beat and get 40 percent off your annual subscription and we will talk to you next week